Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Yes, it's a Roscoe and Rocket special, just a short and sweet Roscoe and Rocket to kick off the 2021, I don't know what we call it, the Roscoe and Rocket season. We've uh, made a commitment uh, to each other that we're going to continue the whole Roscoe and Rocket Rocket theme and uh, Rocket is back. He is albeit on the road. I think this time last year we caught up with Rocket and he was somewhere in the uh, another part of Australia with planes flying across and he was on on the road in the van and I think we find him on the road in the van again. We'll have a quick catch up with Rocket and it's the start of our season which means that it's the start of the PGA Tour season. So let's sit back, relax and uh, enjoy this Rocket and Roscoe episode. Rocket, up there on the road. Rocket on the road. How are you, sir? You well? Uh, Roscoe, I am fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. It's great to hear you in uh, 2021. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to all the listeners. Hopefully your stockings were filled with heaps of vouchers and golfy stuff that you want and everyone's been playing and getting uh, the rounds in after what we could call a really weird 2020. Yeah, well... Rocket, I've said on uh, the couple of the episodes that have hit the mile love of golf uh, podcast waves already that there are plenty of people playing golf. The golf courses are packed. The golf shops are packed. Uh, everyone that I speak to in the industry from, you know, TaylorMade, Callaway, Titleist, Shrix and Bridgestone, whoever, I've, whoever, you know, whatever, whoever I talk to on a weekly, daily basis, all are reporting that plenty of things are happening, plenty of business is being done, which means that there's plenty of people playing golf. And that means that there's plenty of eyeballs on uh, the golf TV and um, the PGA Tour and the European Tour, and that's all kicking off. And that is your specialty. Now, just to, um, you know, cover off where we where we got to last year, you know, we, we sort of, I guess we got out of a little bit of our rhythm um, towards the end of the year with things you know, just timing-wise, and, and we've committed, uh, you know, in our various uh, high-level management meetings that we have, uh, Rocket, um, you know, we've committed to each other again. You know, um, we're still on board and we are going to try and make every bit of an effort to bring the Roscoe and Rocket theme down the tunes more often. Do we agree? Uh, 100% agree. And, um, yes, the uh, the practice screen there, um, PK, uh, is definitely a very, very apt um, boardroom that we can sit around and discuss the strategy and uh, the ongoing um, um, plans for the uh, Roscoe and Rocket podcast. I was just about to think it may even uh, call for the uh, reintroduction of the mobile podcast studio, but uh, <laughs> especially for where I am at the moment, I'm in the van. Well, you you are in the I'm, in a mobile I'm, podcast. I'm in the studio. van. It's raining. The rat bags are not asleep. Uh, so uh, I've, I've thought about moving into the uh, mod, mobile podcast studio, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll see how I go. Well, I think we can if we if we do uh, convene down at, uh, on the putting green and the chipping green and the uh, practice ranges. We have been sort of catching up in the off season. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we can find a quiet place now in the uh, COVID friendly uh, PK clubhouse to uh, to catch up and, and record some stuff. So that's not a bad idea. Let's work on doing that now. Um, you know, there's been a bit of a little bit of tour action in the time that we haven't spoken. You know, we think we last spoke just before the Masters, and then not really much since. But not 
not a huge wraparound season uh, any or last year because it was a bit disjointed. So not really too much to report. But we sort of move straight into the Sony Tournament of Champions, which was just run and won last weekend, and a bit ironically. Uh, run and won not necessarily by a champion of the tour, um, which usually you know is a tour winner from the previous year. But Harris English definitely wasn't a tour winner of the previous year. Thoughts on that, Rocket? So, yeah, Harris English making the tournament and a heap of others that didn't win. And I think that obviously had to do with you know, a short and impacted season in 2020. So there's a lot of tournaments that weren't played. So to at least have a, a full field. I don't even know what the criteria was. I'm, I'm sure, I'm assuming it must have been, you know, where they finished in the FedEx Cup points. You know, so if they were, you know, hadn't already qualified with a victory, were they within the top 30 or, you know, top 40 or something like that in the FedEx Cup? So they would qualify for the Tournament of Champions um, at Kapalua. And I, I was keeping a bit of an eye on, you know, just the scores and things like that. And, and Harris English was sort of leading at midway mark. And, you know, it was really good to see someone who's been a bit of a journeyman on the tour, had obviously come out with a lot of um, expectation. And, you know, it's been eight years since since he won. Um, so, you know, big, tall, big, tall, lanky dude with a big, long swing. And, um, you know, being able to win a player against a uh, young Yakum Neiman, um, you know, so that's that's a really good effort from him. Um, decent field, um, yeah. bit of a birdie fest. Um, you know, there was a little bit of controversy, you know, that floated around the tournament, but overall, you know, it's a tournament of champions. It's like it's a no cut event. You know, it's kind of borderline bit of hit and giggle. And, you know, yeah, it's a good start to the season. Yeah, it's a good good course, good fun course uh, to watch a bit of golf. And like you, I didn't I didn't watch, uh, get to see, unfortunately, too much because I was working all weekend, uh, keeping the good uh, golfers of Melbourne happy. But um, I didn't get to see a lot of it. But the, the parts that I do see and uh, you know, certainly reflect on, it's a, it's a good fun course to watch, you know. It's a bit wide so they can smash it and you can – you know, really interesting thing seeing all the different shot shapes and shot types, and really does bring out uh, you know your ability on that course to see the, just the different shot shapes. Uh, that sort of always uh, intrigues me. You know, you see the high bombers, and you see the guys that hit it low, and the and the the few that still hit the little bit of a right to left draw, and um, yeah, you get a few good views down there. But yeah, people can just bomb it, and you know, there's birdie central in many in many cases. So. I guess if you're playing in it, you know, it's a good – and you play well and you get, you know, somewhere between uh, minus 17 and minus 25, you, you know, you, you're feeling pretty good going into the next season because you've, you, you've, you've shot pretty low and you've had a few birdies. You, it's a confidence game, so, you know, it doesn't matter if you make a birdie. Birdie's a birdie, so you're always going to feel good and you put that in the memory bank. So, so yeah, but uh, as you said, a great you – know, you know, I thought a pretty strong field. Justin Thomas, Ryan Palmer, he had a bit of controversy around there when he took that drop and – yeah, stamped down a divot, and people called him on, you know, fixing the divot where he thought his ball might was might be going to roll. That was a bit of a bit of a boil over, but um, you know, the big news uh, from the big fella, one of our other favourites, and often talked about on the Mile Off of Golf podcast, was um, big John Rahm and his his equipment change and the big mega dollar deal. 
What do you think about that? You're a tailor-made guy. He's left your camp and he's moved over to Callaway. Uh, well, apparently, apparently he was using Callaway all through college. So a lot of the equipment he's going back to is is kind of similar to what he was using through college. So, um, and that that sort of made its way out a few days after the announcement. So I was thinking of, oh, here we go. We've got going to have a Justin Rose Honda thing all over again. Um, but you know, if he's if this is equipment he's used when you know going through college and he had a stellar college and amateur career, um, then you know, probably makes sense. And at the same time, you know, he becomes probably their new number one guy because if you think about him at TaylorMade, he's he's kind of almost like a not even the third wheel. He's almost like the fifth or sixth wheel because you've got Tiger, Rory, DJ, um, even Colin, Matty Wolf, even Jay Day. So you know, John Rahm becomes like a, a an afterthought. I think I think Jay Day and I. I have to, I haven't done any research on this, but I think Jay Day is out of the uh, out of the roster. He might be uh, looking for uh, a new club, maybe maybe not a deal. But the the rumor was that he's going looking, you know, might, might be trying different pits and pieces. I'm not sure that he's in the roster anymore, but I could be wrong. I, I, we might check that as we talk. Oh, I think he'll be a tailor made guy for life. He's just kind of one of those guys, been with him forever. Yeah, well, the rumours are about because he, he didn't make the Christmas card. So, anyway, let's pause on the, the Jason Day discussion. But back to John Rahm. So, I, I think from what I heard and my sources um, sort of reveal that he's using a lot of prototype equipment. You know, obviously, uh, Callaway are about to release some new gear and new drivers and whatever. So, I think, you know, everything is um, yet to be named or released by name. It's not far away, if not overnight. Um so he's using like the tall proto driver. Yeah, there'll be a new name, which won't be too new. But uh, and then I think the irons that he was using, um, you know, have been sort of made and designed, you know, pretty much for him to his spec. Uh, the interesting th- thing that I heard that was he was uh, really enjoyed the ball um, using the Chrome Soft X, which you know, might be a surprise to some people because uh, you know all you get inundated with with when you look at and talk to um, anything about the tour in terms of the golf ball. You know, you hear one brand. Um, maybe a smattering of other brands, but not too much about you know the Chrome Soft X, and you know he was reported to really like that. So you know just a bit of you know quick sort of fire nerdy gear talk, but uh, that was a big big one for for the industry. Oh, look, for, for, for Callaway, I think it's a great it's a great move. It is a great move because you know they're getting someone who's still young and sign him to a long nice long term deal, and because you know if you look at TaylorMade, they've done a really good job snatching up a lot of good talent and a lot of good talent young as well. So, um, you know, Callaway, you know, you've got the likes of Stenson and, you know, Phil who are at the tail end of of their career and you've got, you know, Xander who's there. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, you've got Leishman and and the likes of those guys. So, you know, them, you know, landing someone like Ram, you know, kudos to them. They've obviously done their research and been able to put something together which, you know, you know, has been able to, you know, bring him over. You know, probably wouldn't have been hard. I don't think it would have been on massive dollars compared to some of the other guys at, at Taylor made. But you know, still, you know, it's a very, it's a very good win, very good win. Well, we don't know about the dollars. We can only speculate, uh, like we all do. But uh, as John Rahm moves out of the Taylor made roster, there is one big inclusion. Probably another favourite of the podcast. Uh, I think he's a favourite of yours, Rob. The man with the hair. <laughs> the man with the hair, Tommy Fleetwood. What do you think about that? Because he's been. 
a long-term, you know, no-brand ambassador. You know, he's – I think he at one stage he had a Striction 5 iron and he had a different other set of irons and he's used a few different woods. And I remember talking to, to Benji from uh, TaylorMade in the fitting studio when he was up doing some uh, work in, on the Japan, in Japan for the Zozo and following around Tommy and, you know, trying out some new fairway woods, trying to get a, a couple of fairways into his bag. So, you know, he's he's been a tinkerer for a while, but – yeah, I was surprised that he, that he locked in, but maybe it's dollars. But, you know, I believe everything that I've heard, he really loves the equipment and, and he's looking forward to sort of dialing all of that in. But what do you think about when uh, Tommy jumps well, into a I single he, grand he, bed? Maybe maybe, maybe that was the one that might have been forcing like a ram out. Um, potentially, or they'll look, know that they needed to, you know, replace um, ram with someone else uh, from the European tour side of it. Um. He's obviously been using a lot of the equipment already, and you know it's a it's a pretty good strategy in a way. It's like being a no brand guy completely, you know, and then you just create your own your own personal brand, and then through your own play and personality, and then you just make yourself really attractive um, to you know the the manufacturers. And, so, and that's you know. that's the question, you know, if if this is really comes down to marketing you know, and put your marketing director's hat on and you're faced with the choice of the two, Ram and Fleetwood, who shifts the needle more? Oh. Oh, hard to split. Okay. Ram obviously being from a obviously clearly better player, but in terms of an actual personality – Oh, you know, they've got their pluses and minuses. It's 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 not as I don't think it's as clear cut. It mm. would be a hard, if it'd be a hard decision, right? It's not as it's not as clear cut as as what a you would people might think it is. Because because Ram is actually just interesting in his own right because he's actually quite. I I think he's quite brutally honest. Um, he's actually reasonably good to listen to. Um, he's quite, you know, he doesn't give a lot of rubbish. Um, he, he just, obviously he just, you know, there's nothing really distinguishing besides he's got a very short back swing and has a really t- big temper. Um, Tommy has beautiful hair, but a good player. So. And a wonderful, wonderful ball striker is Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, yeah. I could, I could hear, he? I could listen to that, uh, compression, him compressing the golf ball, uh, all day because, yeah, and it just amazes me his golf swing. You know the way that he has that abbreviated finish, and uh, and is able to hit it at you know probably you know close to a hundred miles an hour for a seven iron. And you know I don't know what his driver speed is, but I'm going to tip that it's you know up there around above tour average, you know about twenty one twenties or something like that. Um, just with that sort of little abbreviated follow through, just means it is a beautiful. It is a very beautiful swing. It's, it's very, cl- it's very classic. It's a very strong bunt, let's say that. And uh, I think he's the ball striking envy of a lot of players, and also you know just general day everyday golfers like you and me. But there you go. And uh, certainly hair envy from my end because I, I don't have any of that stuff. So uh, it's been, and it's been a while. So yeah, good on you, Tommy. Well done. Hey, um, so the next tournament is the uh, Sony, Sony, Sony Open. Open. At Wailai, Seth Rayner course. It's not as Seth Rayner as it used to be, but there's still elements of, of it. And I think um, I think Gil Hans, was it Gil Hans or Tom Doak did a renovation there. 
a few mm. years back. So, and you know, this this is actually probably one of my favourite tournaments on that early swing. Um, one because of the time zone, um, and second of all, uh, usually produce a really good field. You know, there's a really good field um, at the Sony Open, and it's it's quite an entertaining tournament. Um, so, you know, we've got the mullet is defending. Uh, that's Cam Smith, the other man with hair. It's not Tommy Fleetwood style, but it's a little bit more Aussie, Aussie, uh, Aussie Butler. Uh, he's really, <laughs> he's really making a name for himself just with his hair. Um, the so mou- the moulet, the moulet. That's it. Um, so Cam Smith defending. Um, got a pretty good Aussie field playing. So we've got Adam Scott, um, Matty Jones, The Leash, um, Cam Davis. Uh, I can't remember if there's any other Australians playing. I was sort of doing a bit of a scan. Ren Gibson. Oh, yep. And Bads, then, Bads.com. Bads.com. Oh, I think he's got to keep playing just to pay for all his kids. He's got more than me. Um, a couple of Kiwis and, in the field, Wilco. Wilco's yep. in and uh, Danny Lee. Yep, and then uh, and then really, it's just you know I've already gone early because of his form from this week, and it's you know it's a perfect course. It's nice and tight. Need to shape the ball both ways, so you need to be a good iron striker. And it's generally the winners that uh, win there. They're good iron strikers. So my man Cole, I actually reckon he might chalk one up on the board. I'm going early. I'm going early. Okay. You're going with the Morikawa man. So you don't think the yep. mul- the Moulet, the Aussie Moulet, uh, can go back-to-back? Oh, back-to-back's always hard. Look, he, oh, he's probably going to finish in the top 10 because he's been playing really well um, just before the Masters and then even just a few events after the Masters. And, you know, I, I just think if... I feel like he's just got a little bit more confidence. You know, I think that, you know, we'll call it this time last year, you know, he just come off the President's Cup and, you know, this was the culmination of the confidence that he found at the President's Cup. You think about it, he, he took down JT, uh, who was at the time, what, world number three, number four in the world, um, head-to-head at Royal Melbourne. And I think... I, I, you know, yes, we had all those interruptions, but I think the Masters was almost like the, the him finding again that belief of, you know, he really belongs out here and he can mix it regardless of um, he's not the longest hitter, you know, but the thing is, though, he's got, he's a scrapper, he's a, he's a fighter, and he just knows how to get the ball around and just get the job done, you know. No nonsense, no flash, just can get it done. So oh, I think he'll contend. I don't think back to back, but you know he's going to make a fist of it. That's for sure. Okay, and uh, you know if we if we just cast back for a moment, you know we did last year the players review. We gave a few awards, um, sort of without notice. But you know if you cast back to last year, Rocket, who would you who would you give your uh, POTY player of the year? Who, who would you rack that up to? Last year? Yeah, last year. Oh, Dustin Johnson. Yeah, undeniable. Can't disagree. Oh, oh. It, it, it's, it's um. Think about the man 
but second event back at the Memorial shot 80-80. Mm. And you think about after he did that, he had a few weeks off, and he comes out, and you think about from the PGA onwards how he played through to the end of the year. Yeah. And then we – I know we haven't done a Masters recap because of many extenuating circumstances, but he was he was just devastating. He's, he was – he just showed – he. Again, it's almost like I remember back to that 2017 form before he hurt himself before the Masters and he was on this tear and everyone was waiting for him to explode. I think this was him finding it again. And he found a groove and he was just, he was player of the year, like hands down, not even close, not not even close. It's interesting if you cast back, and I haven't listened back to the audio, but I'm pretty sure that we were we got a little bit nervous for uh, DJ after he shot that eighty eighty, and we might have discussed uh-huh. we might have discussed that at some time, uh, saying that uh, we're not sure where this is going, but uh, whether he listened, probably not, but uh, he certainly used something as motivation to turn it around and uh, finish off the year. I think not, I heard an interview with him afterwards and someone said, oh, you shot 80-80, you know, how are you feeling? He goes, oh, I played bad, I missed the cut. I'm going to go home and rest for a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and he went fishing. Hmm. Well, on the new boat that he bought. As you do. Now, as I, as I do, speaking of DJ, I've got the perfect practice putting mat behind me, which you've also got, and thanks yeah, for so I'll tell you what, I'm missing that thing. I'm going to give you the tip. I can't believe you didn't put it in the uh, van and just tuck it under the uh, the fold the fold away and just pull it out, just pull it out down there in the uh, the annex and just just roll roll a few, you know, put it out in the tar the the, the be- beautiful tarred uh, roadways of the adorning the Queensland caravan parks there, rock and just roll a few rocks. But um, that would have that would have been quite funny actually. But I, I had a little um, hit today, actually, at Sandy Links, and uh, we won't talk too much about Sandy Links because I'm playing the other OCM uh, developed course next Wednesday uh, oh. at, at Lonsdale. So Sandy Links today at Lonsdale, but my putting form, Rocket, and you know that's been my sort of bugbear, that in the short game, but let me tell you, yeah. the, the work that I put in during lockdown uh, is really starting to bear fruit, and... I think partly the uh, putting form is due to the uh, DJ endorsed because he's on the front cover of the big box that the perfect practice putting mat comes in. Um, but I've been using that. And I, every time I walk past the room, I, it's barely I, I stop. Uh, there's a time, barely there's a time goes past where I don't stop in and just roll 10 four footers in a row. And, you know, I don't answer the call from Mrs. My Love of Golf to come and do the dishes until the 10th, the 10th one's been dropped. And, uh, you know, my inside four feet now is is, is uh, rock solid rocket. I'm just putting that out there now because um, well, I'm expecting big things. I, well, I can I can say that you know because everyone knows how long it was between me playing in 2020 from February to well, where was it? Like November or whatever it was. So that that six seven week period where I had the practice putting mat. And I was able to use it for that six or seven week period, made a massive difference. Because usually, when I come back from a, a decent break of three to four months, if there's one thing that ruins my rounds, it's on the greens. Because as everyone knows, you lose a bit of touch. But for some reason, on the greens, I, I, I all of a sudden I gain the touch of a blacksmith. And um, the three jiggles and the four jiggles can be a little bit more predominant than, than they should be. 
um, and it takes a few weeks to get back into some sort of groove. But I can honestly say um, the only rust was my ball striking. My my work on the greens was was really solid. Um, so I can I can put it I can tr- truly say that 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 mat just being able to have it there to be able to just go and just stroke a few every now and then um, is it's it's worth more than the investment for your own sanity and your own game uh, on a on a weekly basis. Uh, people, that's not a not an ad. Uh, we both paid for our, our putting mats that we use, but uh, it is an endorsement for practicing. Oh, it's, it's it's a must. I, I actually think it's a must. Practicing your and, golf. And, yeah. You know, I, I've already had a few people that you know I know, and they're getting new equipment and stuff like that. And you know, one of the things I'm recommending is making sure that they actually get that putting mat. It is. Like am- it's, it is it's, amazing. It's just a, it's a, it's just a simple little investment. Takes up little to no space. And it's actually just fun to be able to just sit in your in, in in your house and just roll the rock, just roll the rock. Six and seven footers, they're the ones that you're going to be faced with the most. And there's nothing better than having a little bit of touch and just practicing your stroke at at home. Like it's, it's awesome. I, I wonder if any of the listeners fall in, fall into this category. And if you want to tell me that you do, please feel free. If you don't, well, you don't. But I'm always perplexed with. Uh, you know, the process that we go through, what I'm doing, you know, fitting people for golf clubs all day, every day, and making serious investments in, you know, full new kits. You know, there's not many golf clubs that you don't consider a serious investment these days, you know, whether it's one wedge or a system of wedges or a new set of fairways and driver or the whole toot. But when we get to doing the whole toot and then we talk about the putter and it might be a Scotty, might be an Odyssey, might be a, you know, Cleveland or whatever – and the question always comes up to, oh, this is a really nice mat that we're putting on. Um, you know, we should have a well putt um, putting mat at, at work. Um, and I say, you know what, if you're going to invest in this, all this gear, you know, you need to invest in your game. Do you, where, do you practice your putting? And people go, oh, yeah, you know, usually beforehand and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, if you want to get better, you know, just roll 10, 20 balls, you know, every night, every top couple of nights on this thing. And people go, oh, how much is it? Oh, whatever. You know, like... And I just think in the investment of the whole set of golf clubs versus how many putts you have, which is, you know, 30 to, you know, 36, Most, sometimes you think 40. About, you think about the, the, the average person is, is probably going to two-putt every green, right? So they're going, to be, they're going to be sitting between 32, potentially 38 putts because there's going to be some three jags in there. Yeah. Imagine if you all of a sudden, those six, those six footers and – you know, you have more confidence being able to, you start putting, right? So you start to get some feel. So all of a sudden you get feel, so that means you start to learn, you know, a little bit of distance and a little bit of um, how to control the ball. But the thing is that, you know, you start to get confidence of putting and holding putts um, of that distance. So when you're, you know, putting up to that circle, um, whether it be a putt for par or you're, you're, because you've chipped it up close or it's could you've, you've, hit an absolute scream and you hit it into six feet, you're a birdie putt or you're trying to two putt and you've got it into that circle. The, the, the likelihood of you making that um, increases dramatically. And if you think just saving a couple strokes around on the greens just by improving your putting, that's monumental. And then that breeds confidence. So that means you might be able to start to, you know, play holes a little bit differently and, and then, you know, be able to take on sort of different shots. And then it's just this, you know, perpetual um, 
growing cycle of improvement that, that starts to occur. Um, so, you know, Rocket, it is. I, it's putting is, oh, I could go on about it forever. I am that pumped about, uh, you know, the work that we did last year with putting and chipping and some of the help that I got uh, and what that's going to mean for this year's golf. I am so pumped. I, I can't wait to play more golf. Uh, the only thing that, you know, fell fell apart for me last year and it's just through a little bit of lack of uh, discipline you could say is a bit of the golf fitness and that's the thing that's sort of holding me back at the moment yeah golf golf fitness is a concept it is a thing and for those of you that got to maintain you know playing golf uh during you know this the last year's COVID time when you know us melbourneites were locked away um you know you maintained your golf fitness but for me it was unbelievable the difference in what golf fitness meant because I'm, I'm not a massive trainer. I try and watch what I eat and all that sort of you know, rubbish. But, um, yeah, the golf fitness thing is, is a thing and I've heard a few people talk about it. But anyway, I'm pumped about golf this year and, Rocket, I'm pumped to get you back on the course and let's uh, try and do more of that and, uh, you know, bring some videos to the people and record these catch-ups and whatever. Hey, um, we won't spend too much time talking about the European Tour because that season uh, doesn't kick off until next week when they go back to... Uh, Dubai, so they've got the uh, Dubai HSBC Golf Championship and then followed by the Dubai Desert Classic. But as you know, and I haven't really spoken about it on the podcast, and we'll do that now, as you know, during the break, I got to catch up with uh, one of last year's European Tour winners, good friend of uh, ours at the podcast and also at the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, obviously one of Jamie Glazer's clients, is Lucas Herbert. And... I think it's pretty clear what sort of a player Lucas Herbert is. You know, if you watch him play, he's fairly exciting when you look at his swing, when you look at the power that he uses to generate um, his uh, ball striking. And, you know, the fact that he was a winner uh, on the European Tour, he was, uh, you know, T30 in the US Open at... um, No, what was... No, actually, do you know what? I think one of the the highlights of his year, what was the... Scottish Open? What was the event? Scottish Open. Yeah, the yeah. one where he's had an absolute stinker when they had that absolute horrible weather in the third round. Yeah. And he's bounced back um, to put himself right in the mix yeah. with four or five holes to play. Yeah. You know, that 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 was a telltale sign because you know, Lucas of old wouldn't have bounced back like that. You yes. know, so that should have been a massive confidence booster for him. So it was a pretty good year, uh, you know, all things accounted for in the disruption that it was for, for Team Herbie. And he chose not to go back to um, play in the race to Dubai. You know, I think he's got a busy schedule uh, lined up for this year. Uh, he was back home in Victoria visiting family, friends, playing a bit of golf and, and just catching up with people that he hadn't seen because obviously he lives um, when he is in Australia on the Sunshine Coast. So he's back down here and just basically um, – and Jamie and I spoke about this on, on the Mental Mastery podcast – that he chose not to go back and because he wanted to spend that time with family and friends around Christmas in Australia. He didn't want to go back for that tournament and he was finished. He was in 10th position in the race to Dubai, so he's obviously fairly highly ranked. He would have been missed. But um, he didn't want to come back and spend Christmas in quarantine, blah, blah, blah. The point is... I had looking, a, after his, looking after his mental health, that's what, that's what it was, and making sure his batteries are nice and recharged and refreshed. 100%. The point of the story is I had a wonderful round of golf with Lucas at PK and, you know, I guess that's probably the third or fourth uh, European tour player that I've had the absolute privilege and I don't take it for granted uh, in playing with, you know, Wade Ormsby, uh, Minwoo Lee and um, 
uh, George Campillo. And anyway, Herbie, the impressive thing, he shot maybe five under at PK South Course, playing off the back as back tees, the blue, the the back blue tees. He played with golf clubs, Rocket, that were probably older than you and I put together. I oh, know. I, I, I saw the. I saw it. So he's playing off the back tees with old gear, and it wasn't even a full set either, was it? Oh, it was pretty. No, it was pretty much a full. It was, you know, a driver, was a driver of a fairway, and you know, maybe two iron through the sand wedge of the the Walter Hagen, you know, very old old school blades, and <laughs> he was just having some fun. You know, it was just it was just fun time for Herbie, and yeah, you know, he he sort of rocked up and he was sort of rushed at the start there because he was running a bit late, but um, you know, didn't maybe had a bogey on the first hole, but after that it was just a stripe show. Playing with Well do you know what do you know what I enjoy about him having fun like that? Is that with especially with that old equipment, there is no forgiveness. So you know if you're ball if you're balling, like if you hit the ball really well, you know you're on because like if you're off a little bit, there's, <laughs> there there is no compromise with the clubs that he was playing. The, the only manipulation of the clubs, I believe, from what I could see and, and what we talked about, was he put a set of uh, Golf Pride Tall Velvet cords on and that was it. And they will just <coughs> tied it up. You know, there was no shaft changing, nothing like that. And, and he just, just flushed it. And it just made me think a lot about golf, golf equipment, the ball, all of these things that we talk about, you know, the rollbacks, how far the ball goes, the equipment, the ball strikers and blah, 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 blah. Um, it just put all that into this you know, new realm of context. But the the extra impressive thing, and I, I know I'm frothing, you know, fanboying, I guess you could say, well, you know, Lucas loves to give me a bit of a stick and he, you know, he, he, he teased me a little bit about my short game while we were playing, but um, I did sink a putt on the last to uh, win lunch from him and Luke Murphy. <laughs> but um, now the, the, the other thing, you know, which makes me think about ball and equipment and that sort of thing, what he could do with this persimmon, and the TP5 uh, ball that he uses, it it was unbelievable. You know, like downwind he could hit high draw. Into the wind, just low bullet, uh, fade, cut. You know, you, whatever shot shape that you want to see, it happened that day with this tiny, tiny-headed persimmon. And, you know, if you were from my area, you know what a persimmon-headed driver is. If you're not from my area but you're into – you know, this retro golf, which is coming back into favour, hence the reason why. That, that you know, shows he kn- he knows how to move the golf ball around. That's even more impressive because, you know, doing that stuff with a persimmon-headed one, it's actually a learnt skill to be able to do those things. Well, they're smaller than most five-woods these days, mm. you know, if that, you know. so And most people don't use a five-wood because, you know, it's scary small. Um, and it was just... It was just really, really impressive, and I was very fortunate and thankful for uh, the opportunity via Jamie to go and play with those guys. And Luke Mackey, who's Golf Australia's high performance coach, based over in uh, Orlando, where he looks after a number of the you know, Orlando-based Golf Australia talent that's over there. Um, probably one of the fittest, strongest, most agile men that I've ever seen. Clobber a golf ball; he still hits it a million miles. But yeah, anyway, you know, when you're wondering, when you wonder about the quality of these players. And if you're a good player and you think, oh, you know, you know, you so, and you hear some people going, oh, you know, they can't be that much better than a plus, than a scratch marker, you know, than the best player at the club, you know, the one handicappers and the two handicappers. Let me tell you, there is, day, there is the best golfer at your golf club, and maybe this doesn't apply to every golf club, but there's the best, the, the best golfer at your golf club if he's scratch or plus one, and then there's daylight compared to, mm. you know, yep. what I've seen. And, you know, Lucas proved that again and it was just 
it was a very lucky experience to be able to do that. And anyway, we've gone on long enough about that. But good luck to you, Lucas, for your, your campaign this year and wherever, wherever that takes you. Um, yeah, very good. That was that was a bit of a fanboying rocket name dropping. <laughs> I, get, I got accused for name dropping once upon a time there. And anyway, that's probably why you come back. So, Rocket, what else? Oh, there's really only one more thing and, um, you know, it's – I'm going to have to choose my words very carefully. You're going political, aren't you? Well, I'm trying not to, but it's going to be very hard. So, obviously, if everyone hasn't seen it because they might be living under a rock or they've just turned their phones off for a couple of weeks, you know, the PGA – of America had announced, um, they actually moved it forward. There was a fantastic article written by Alan Shipnuck, which um, gained a lot of traction and sort of pressured them with um, everyone's not aware, you know, obviously the events uh, happening over in America. Um, so, you know, the sitting president, Donald Trump, his course, Trump National in New Jersey, I think it is, was due to host the PGA Championship in 2022, and PGA of America have um, brought forward the announcement and made the announcement that, that it will no longer be held there, and, and rightfully so. Um, <laughs> anyone that does, you know, I broke my Twitter hiatus on, on the back of a lot of this stuff because I, I don't know, it's you know what's happening over there is really bad, um, and the discourse. And, to, and even from our own politicians in this country is bordering on ordinary. You know, th- this is quite simply, you know, there's there's no wiggle room in this one. It's This is very much, there's two sides of the fence to this one. And you have a sitting president who effectively has incited a riot and, and with his own sympathisers have tried to stage a coup to overthrow a democratically elected government and, you know, there's more and more news and it's coming out and it's quite shocking and it's bordering on you know, insurrection to domestic terrorism. And, mm. you know, you cannot this, – this there's no wiggle room for this sort of stuff. It's it's just I, – I guess, Rod, you know, like I think, as you said, if ever, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, you've, you've followed the news of, of what's happening and, and at the risk of getting you um, even more wound up because I, I see your tweets and I see your Instagrams and all that and, and you're very obviously very passionate about world affairs and, you know, you're probably one of the go-to people that I go to for commentary and thought uh, around that when I'm looking for, to, you know, balance my own sort of viewpoints. Uh, the, but the risk of you know over politicizing this part of the conversation, you know, I guess the point that we're getting to is the action of the PGA. It was very interesting to see them react so quickly uh, to what was happening, and you know I think fairly dramatically in withdrawing that tournament from that course. And uh, it it just to me says how deeply um, held this thought is through you know, all factors, factions of, of America. And, uh, you know, my thoughts for well, the, the people who are affected by this in, in the states that listen to this and, you know, my thoughts are, are with you and, and I don't know the right way to phrase it, but, you know, we're thinking of you, but um, the PGA, they've obviously acted very swiftly and, and rightly so. You know, golf really needs to step up and, and tackle these societal issues because, you know, effectively, you know, we talk a lot about golf, you know, in terms of the game of golf and it can be, um, a microcosm of life in terms of, you know, it's self-regulated, um, you know, you get more bad breaks than you get good ones, etc. 
um, and golf has its own history of, of um, prejudice, racism, you know, historically, you know, we've talked about this about the Masters and the things that they're trying to do to write that. One of the courses that has been talked about as uh, a replacement for um, Trump National was Shoal Creek. And if anyone um, wants to understand the history of Shoal Creek pr- predominantly, they um, segregated, you know, black caddies, no, you know, African-American members. They were actually um, kicked off being any part of any tour event um, post-1990 um, because um, the PGA Tour started to bring in and a lot of the tour events um, started to bring in. If you didn't have you know, African-American members, you, you just couldn't hold an event there. Um, and so Shoal Creek sort of dug their heels in. There's a lot of changes with their membership um, that have tried to right that wrong and they're a poster child for you know, what can be done in terms of changing his history and trying to write you, know, you can never, you can never fix what has gone before you. You know that has gone past you, but you can always fix how you do things and you, how you move forward, and acknowledge your past. And they potentially could be a, a shining example of, you know, what is possible in terms of moving beyond, you know, the, the racial profiling and segregation that existed in, in that country, as short, as only as far back as thirty years ago. So. Um, yeah, it's really important that golf does step up, step up because, you know, we, you know, golf it's, itself has its own skeletons, you know, and we still even see it in terms of some of the players where, you know, they're obviously supporters of, you know, Donald Trump. You know, we've had Jack and and Greg being vocal supporters of the president. We haven't, you know, I've, and and I'm not being cheeky by asking them, you know, on social media for their comments about their support. And do they continue to support this person? Because, you know, there's no wiggle room in this. There's nowhere to hide. You know, the, the person, you know, that we're talking about here is shown for what he is. And there's a PGA Tour player who was quite vocal post the rights. And, you know, he's copped a lot of flack. Um, and I think he's even taken down his Twitter account now because, you know, he's basically just a vocal supporter and, and you know, how many other tour players potentially hold those sort of views, which are quite, as far as I'm concerned, they're just racist, racist views, because that's what they're supporting. They're supporting fascism. They're supporting racism. Um, I, I know I'm probably going to have to put a pin in where I'm going right now because I don't want to get wound up and and turn this into some sort of, you know, political podcast that we could be tuning into CNN or anything like that. But no. You know, it's it's a really serious issue, and and I don't take it lightly, and I'm really offended that our government, our own federal government, uh, have taken these things. They've had more of an issue that he was banned from Twitter for inciting riots than than actually denouncing his actions as a sitting president trying to overthrow a democratic government. Like, you know, it's I'm, I'm you know, Rodney. in the age in the age of information, in the age of information. Ignorance today is a choice, mm. and I'll I'll leave it at that. Rod, your commentary is always uh, valued. Yeah, we'll 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 we will leave it at that. We'll get back to the golf. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. If anyone wants to talk to me about that, I can talk about it offline. I'm yeah. sorry, but it was just a yes. It was a golf thing, and I can I know I can get. Oh, I'm so wound up about this because, you know. Everyone should be looking out for our fellow human beings. 
regardless of the color of their skin or where they're from and stuff like that. It's just, it just, it just, it really touches, it really touches a part of me that just lights a fire. So apologies uh, anyone if I I come across a bit too forthcoming or aggressive, but I don't mean to be. Well, your passion is what we look for, Rocket, and uh, you've delivered in spades um, across the board and you will continue to across the board for the rest of the year as we go into now, now, in closing on passion, oh, yeah. like because I know we're trying to come up with a little bit of a format here, so yep. Rocket's Rabbit Hole. Oh, uh-huh. Now, what, I'm, what, I, what I want all the listeners to do is go out and go to YouTube and look up YBS, so the letters YBS, Young Bloods. There's a young fellow there, and a little bit of his story is that he's in WA. He was a plumber, electrician. He was a plumber and um, to sort of make an ends meet. Uh, he got a, some sort of viral infection, nearly died, and kind of made a bit of a life choice in terms of I'm not going to live like this. And he started – loves getting out in the in nature and fishing and stuff like that. He's, got, he's, he's a high-energy guy. Um, and he's, he's actually in the, in, in the sh- very short period of time in the last sort of four years – He's become a bit of a YouTube sensation, and uh, he's got 2.2 million subscribers. I was just going to say, if and a sensation is 2.2 million sen- uh, subscribers, yes, that is a sensation. Yeah, and so I, I, I want people, I want the listeners to go and look up this guy and just watch some of his videos. Just pick and choose them, and um, there's one where he talks about his story in terms of how he got to there. Um, and things that he's done for his brother, things that he does. And, you know, I, I'm always a bit funny about, you know, people that are kind of YouTube stars. This is one guy I love. Like, I love watching. I've been binge watching his videos on this trip every night. I watched probably at least two or three. Uh, this guy has such a passion and a zest for living, um, nature, fishing, and everything that goes with that is not. It's it's just infectious. Like they're twenty to thirty minute videos, and time flies while watching them. It's just I, I rec- highly recommend it. Please, everyone, go watch this guy. He is just he's just the joy to watch. He's an absolute joy to watch. If you need to sort of find a little rabbit hole to get away from all the mundane stuff and all the the, the stuff that goes on and all the stuff that I just ranted about, watch this guy. You are absolutely going to love it. I. I guarantee, absolutely guarantee, rocket's guarantee. Well, can I add to the rabbit hole rocket? Sure. I've got my young mate Blakey from uh, Golf Rules Questions. And, yes. Uh, and when we started working together uh, in August on the podcast, uh, he, there was maybe eight, eight or 900 YouTube subscribers on Blakey's uh, channel. And if everyone could, before they go to YBS, he's got 2.2 million. He, he, he probably can do you know for a few days before you go and subscribe there. But if you are interested in golf and you do want to learn in a fun, informative way about the nuances around the golf rules and a lot of information from the tour, uh, you know, and Blakey's interpretations. That, you know, he's a tour-qualified referee, has worked on US tour, European tour, and also obviously Australian tour. But he makes content for people who love golf who want to learn about the rules. Go and subscribe to Blakey's YouTube channel first. Give Throw him a bone and then go and throw Young Bloods a bone. Blakey and, I made, yeah. Blakey and I made the commitment, if we got his channel to 3,000 subscribers before Christmas, so we started working together in August, and this has nothing to do with me, but the podcast yeah. started in August, 
if we got three thousand, that we would take take the podcast on the road. We'd go to a country course somewhere, do a little bit of uh, you know golf rules analysis on course, and maybe record a, a couple of podcasts on the road. So we're going country Victoria at some stage. The next benchmark is uh, I think it was five thousand. If we get the five thousand subscribers, then I think we're going to uh, Barnburgle, and when we get to ten thousand, we're going to New Zealand. I can't remember how many. Nice. Ma- I can't remember how many we have to get to to get to Scotland, but that's the goal. The goal is you know, <laughs> we, we we just set these benchmarks. There's no money in YouTube at that level. You know, maybe YBS is getting paid to, to do his thing, but uh, Blakey's just passionate. He's a passionate golf guy, and so at some stage we're going up the country to play some golf, and then we have to get to Barnburgle, New Zealand, and then Scotland. That's the ultimate goal. In, uh, in our little YouTube, we made a little video today down at um, uh, Sandy Sandy Links, and uh, yeah, it was all fun, a lot of fun. There you go. Awesome. Well, Rocket, have we covered everything? I think we have. We said we were going yeah. to keep it fairly short. We've probably gone longer, but uh, anyway, that's what we do, and if you are listening, that's probably why you listen, and thank you for listening. Rocket, I'm going to love you and leave you. You can get back into the uh, the tin lids in the uh, in the mo- the big podcast studio. Get out of the the mobile podcast yes. studio. Get into the road show podcast studio. And Rocket, I'll catch you in a week or so, eh? Yes, you will, Roscoe. Thank you, sir. All Thank right, you, mate. listeners. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs>